five were wise. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. But the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. But the, as, the, as the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. But at midnight there was a cry, Here's the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all the virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, Since there will not be enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves. And while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. Afterwards, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, Truly I say to you, I do not know you. And Jesus says, Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. And so I'm just going to give you the main point of that parable right up front. Ready yourself for the Lord's return. It's that easy. Or be prepared, though it may be prolonged. And here are some principles underneath that. Like the bridegroom, Christ may delay in his coming to get his bride. Like the wise virgins, true believers ready themselves for Christ's return. And like the foolish virgins, virgins, there will come a time when the opportunity of salvation will be lost. It will be lost. And so what? if you have a handout, you can kind of see the outline of this. We're going to look at the principles in a picture, and then we're going to look at uh, some ways to apply this to our lives. You get the parable and then these principles applied to life. And Jesus in this begins with then. And it's to link us to chapter 24, starting in verse 36 through verse um, 30 of this chapter. 24, 36 through 25, 30 is all one section. And Jesus repeats himself. If you see on your handout, repetition is the mother of all learning. Jesus wanted us to get this. And you see on the handout, it says there's going to be an unexpected timing. Only God knows when God's coming back. And really, only God the Father knows when Jesus is coming back. Jesus doesn't even know. And then in between that, there's this faithful serving and then there's this definite judgment. You see that at the end of 24 and it's repeated again in 25. The first parable is talking about this unexpected timing and being ready. Unexpected timing and being ready. It's a great thing if you read all these parables together, you will see that in some of the parables, two of them, the delay that Jesus comes prior to what's expected. They expected him to come way way down the road, and so they started living for themselves and doing all these things, and he came. In the other parable, they expected him to come, and he delayed. That's what we're looking at today. Delayed in his coming. Now, again, let's just remind ourselves that parables are not to be deciphered each and every word. Jesus is making one point. Ready yourself for the Lord's return. Lots of people get into trouble when they start to try to figure out who were the wise virgins, who were the foolish virgins. It's a comparison. The kingdom of heaven is like ten virgins who took lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. History a little bit of bridegrooms and virgins, those who are going to get married and they're betrothed. If we go to Song of Solomon, this is what is written in the Hebrew Old Testament. 
What is that is coming out of the wilderness, like columns of smoke, perfumed with myrrh and frankincense, with all the fragrant powders of a merchant? Behold, it is the couch of Solomon, and around it are sixty mighty men, some of the mighty men of Israel, all of them wearing swords and expert in war, each with his sword on his thigh against the terror by night. King Solomon made himself a carriage from the wood of Lebanon. He made its post of silver and its back of gold, its seat of purple, And it's this glorious thing. And it says, go, O daughters of Zion, and look for King Solomon. Here comes Solomon on his couch. His mighty men carrying him on his couch. Isaiah says, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall exalt in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself like a priest with beautiful headdress, and a bride adorns herself with jewels. The bridegroom gets dressed up. Uh, the bride puts on her jewels. The men in the Old Testament would go to get her. Psalm 45 says, all, the glory, all glorious is the princess in her chambers with robes interwoven of gold. In many color robes she is led to the king with her virgin companions behind her. With joy and gladness they are led along as they enter the palace of the king. And so the tradition says that the bridegroom would come and get his bride and then take her back to the wedding feast. So you have a friend getting married this week. If he were in the Middle East in, the, in this time, he would go and get her and then bring her back too. She wouldn't hide out in her little place where only Becky and those bridesmaids could go and they'd get all dressed up and they're just back in there hidden. He would come and get, it would be announced. It would be told to everybody. The bridegroom is coming for his bride and then he brings her to the wedding feast. Sometimes this happened at night. There's your history. Kingdom of heaven is like ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. And then he tells about these virgins. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The foolish were foolish because they did not bring extra oil to trim their lamps. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. What if there's a delay? But the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. And as the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. First principle, like the bridegroom, Christ made a delay in coming to get his bride. There was a delay. And you're thinking, well, wait a second. We just, Ryan just led us in the song always, oh my God, he will not delay. Right. Because you're thinking about his delay in your timing. Right? God's got his own plan. And if I think, well, this is when God should work and he doesn't work, God's delaying. Obviously, I'm not wrong. I'm the, I'm the arbiter of all that is wise. I know and God's not working in my timing. Obviously, God is delayed. No, God's timing is perfect. He declared the beginning from the end and all things in between. So if there's any problem with the delay, it's me and you. His ways are not our ways. And there's good reasons why he hasn't coming back yet, right? There are people we're witnessing to. And so when we hear this idea of delay, Jesus even speaks our language to show that he may delay in our timing, not his timing. 
and they all become drowsy and sleep. Now, let's not cross-reference this to the disciples when Jesus was in the garden and they all fell asleep. That's not the emphasis. Otherwise, if we shouldn't ever go to sleep, might as well go out and get some five-hour energy today and just stay awake until Jesus comes, right? No, the Bible tells us it is vain that you rise up early and go to bed late, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives his beloved sleep. So we can't read too much into sleep here. It's just the idea that they were waiting, they become drowsy, and then there's this announcement. Despite the delay and the drowsiness, he does come back. But at midnight, there was a cry. Here's the bridegroom, come out to meet him. And so all 10 virgins rise up to trim their lamps. And the wise virgins' lamps are lit. And it's implied that the foolish virgins' lamps just keep going out. And they say to the wise, give us some of your oil. Give us some of your oil. For our lamps are going out. And the foolish said to the wise, or excuse me, and the wise answered saying, since there will not be enough for us, go rather to the dealers <laughs> and buy for yourselves. The wise informed the foolish that there's not enough oil to go around. Was this, was this selfish of them? Because there's a lot of people who want to interpret, well, obviously Jesus is wrong in his teaching here because that's really selfish. That's not Jesus's point. Jesus would use other things to show the disciples' own selfishness. That's not his point. He would do that somewhere else. What's the point of this? Spiritual preparation is not transferable. That's the point. Too many people read into what does the, the oil stand for? Trust me. Don't make it stand for anything other than what it is in the story. It's just an illustration to show you that some were prepared and some weren't. You start getting into, well, the oil is the Holy Spirit. No, because you cannot buy the Holy Spirit, nor does the Holy Spirit ever go out. So it's spiritual preparation. And what the wise are saying is, I cannot prepare your eternal life for you. Right? I can't prepare your eternal life for you. I cannot ride the coattails of Mike Pittman into heaven, right? I'm done with reading. I'm over, you know, what'd you study in the Bible today? Or yesterday? Today? Any time, yeah. Just Sunday school. Sunday school. So what'd you study? Proverbs 30? <clears throat> you had some wise, I'm just gonna, just gonna ride in on his, when he shows up at the pearly gates, this is a parable, don't read too much, right? Pittman's going in, there's Judd hanging on his coattails. They'd say, no, you can't do that. I can't ride somebody's coattails into the kingdom. That idea of riding coattails is often with celebrities or politicians, some younger one who doesn't really have what it takes rides the coattails of someone else and we can't do that. No, like the wise virgins, true believers readied themselves for Christ's return. It's not a selfish thing. That's not the point. The point is they were prepared and the foolish were not. And so the foolish go off to get some oil. Midnight, there's no 24-hour mini-marts in Israel. You're supposed to catch that exactly like you caught that. 
and afterward, and while they were away, the bridegroom came to those. Here's the point. If you're wanting to underline something, the bridegroom came to those who were ready. And they went in to him, went in with him to the marriage feast. And the door was shut. The foolish go away. The bridegroom shows up. He takes some who are ready to a party. And the party is not open to all. It's not open to all. The idea of this bridegroom's return is that it's sudden. Paul says it will come like thief in the night. And it's definite. Revelation 3, 7 says, The Holy One, the true one, who is like the key of David, who opens and no one can shut, and who shuts and no one can open. And so what we learn from that is wise people ready themselves for the Lord's return because look what happens. Afterward, the party's going on. The other virgins, the foolish virgins, probably hear the party going on. And they come and say, Lord, Lord, open to us. They realize those first five with, who brought the extra oil, they realize they were right and they want to come in. One day, whoever put this video together, mocking Harold Camping, one day, Harold Camping, one day, every single person will see the truth. One day. but we cannot know that day. The bridegroom then replies in verse 12 and says, but he answered truly, truly, or he doesn't say truly, truly. He says, truly, I say to you, I do not know you. The only other reference to that is back in Matthew 7, 23, where Jesus says, truly, truly, I never knew you. There was never written in the Bible ever, Jesus saying, I once knew you. And these can be some of the most frightening verses in the Bible. I never knew you. And if anyone here is in this room or listening is concerned, let me comfort you. If you are concerned, that should bring you some comfort. If you're not concerned, you're like a foolish virgin. And like the foolish virgins, there will come a time where the opportunity of salvation will be cut off. The door will be shut. That's what the Bible says. What Harold got right is he understood Jesus is coming back. What Harold got right is he wanted to let the world know you don't want to miss the party. What Harold got wrong twice now is Harold doesn't just take Scripture for what it says. Look at verse 13. Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day or the hour. If you flip back and you look at 2436, but concerning the day and the hour, no one knows. Not even the angels of heaven. Hello, myriads of them. They don't know. Nor the son. That's Jesus. Red letter text, Jesus. I don't know. Only the father knows. And if you were to read Acts 1, he says the same thing. Jesus is very consistent. Love that about my Savior, for my sin, and he's also consistent. Lord, when will you at this time restore the kingdom? It's not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. If you look down at 42 of 24, therefore stay awake, 
Now, that doesn't mean stay awake. Again, like we were talking about, physically stay awake. The preacher said, stay awake. Therefore, honey, I can't go to bed tonight. That's what it's. Stay awake is a biblical phrase for be ready. For you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. Like the bridegroom, Christ may delay. Like the wise virgins, we need to be ready. And like the foolish virgins, there's a time when those in our family and our friends, our neighbors and coworkers who reject Jesus, reject the invitation to the party, it'll be lost. So Jesus tells us, watch, therefore. Watch or stay awake just means be ready. Therefore, in light of this parable that I told you, in light of it's unexpected, he may come quicker than you think or he may delay for you. Who's he talking to here? For you. Who's he talking to? Well, if we flip back up and we look in 24, as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us when will these things be and what will be the sign of your coming and of the close of the age? He's speaking to his disciples. Why would Jesus speak like that if it's the disciples? Why would he speak like there were some who were not believers? Guess who's still on the scene? Judas. 26, 1 and 2. Or in verse 14, then one of the 12 whose name was Judas Iscariot went to the chief priest. Judas is there the whole time. Jesus is not afraid to preach the gospel to a church meeting, is what he's saying. But there will come a time when it could be lost, and he's saying, are you ready? The timing, three times within 50 verses, 36 and 42 of 24 and 13 of 25, nobody knows. God knows. No human knows. No God-man even knows. He could come prior to expected. We expect him to come here. He could come here. Or he can come later than expected. He could show up later. And that's normally how he's been working. Right? Ever since I've started walking with the Lord, everybody says we're in the last days. We've been in the last days since 1 Thessalonians was written. Let's just call it what it is. 2,000 years of the last days. And so the truth of this is we, all of us, need to be ready for the Lord's return. There's an attitude that we have to have and there's an action. The attitude is this. What is our motive? Are we ready? Are we motivated for Jesus' return? Are we, are we determined to ready ourselves for Jesus' return? Do we long for, in our hearts, Christ's return? One of the neatest things to hear is when uh, people in this congregation stand up and pray and they say, Oh, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Because their hearts are, they're looking. It's like, this is the world we live in. And we're not a looking at, we're not ignoring that. But we're looking, oh, he's coming back. And then there's an action. And there's a balance between it. Because people fall into camps, right? No pun intended, camping. They fall into camps. We have lethargic Lenny's over here. Nobody in here is named Lenny, is there? And eager Ed's, Right? We have underestimators and we have overestimators. 
we have those who are kind of complacent and they are just kind of rolling with life. They just kind of have a nonchalant attitude. Yeah, I'll get, I'll get my life in order someday. I got plenty of time. Look at the Old Testament and God works over millennia. I got plenty of time. To you, I would ask, are you ready? Do you know Jesus? Because he could come like right now. How cool would it be that he came right now? Preaching about his coming. But I'm preaching on the delay, so he's probably not going to come. So are we preparing and anticipating his return? What? Here's a great question that came to me this week. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Would I want to be doing this if Jesus were to come back today? So to those of you who may be lethargic clinics and not really thinking about the Lord's coming, oh, it's sometime in the future. I've got all my life ahead of me. Doesn't matter that this relationship is out of whack. Doesn't matter that I'm really trying to learn about the Lord, etc., etc., etc. I would say, are you ready? Get ready. Get in the game. Get out and spread the word that Jesus is coming back. To the overestimators, the eager eds who think every single day is a sign from God that the end times are coming and the market's down and, oh, Jesus is coming back and then it's up. Well, here's how Martin Luther handled that. He's out in his garden, gardening, and some young theological student comes up and says, Dr. Luther, if you, were going, if you knew that Jesus was going to come back today, would you, what would you do? And he'd go, I'd keep on gardening. Because Martin Luther understood that as long as you have planned and prepared and you're going about your normal day of life, you're in the middle of God's will. And if gardening was what was on your agenda for the day and you've done other things and this is where you feel led to be, he said, I don't want to be any other place. This is to keep those who are eager eds from overestimating Jesus' return. I read a book in seminary. It's about, I mean, literally, it's two of these. It's called When Time Shall Be No More. It, it put me to sleep, literally, but it opened my eyes to the truth that f- since Jesus' ascension into heaven, from that time on until today, everybody's come up with comical, almost comical ideas of when Jesus is coming back. So it's not just this late, great planet Earth, 1970s. This book takes you back to A.D. 1000 and the first pope who was trying to get everybody prepared because in A.D. 1000, that's when Jesus was coming back and it didn't happen. And then on and on and on and it didn't happen. And on and on and on and it didn't happen. We need more marathoners than sprinters. Sprinters are good out of the gate, but they, they're far from the finish. And so if you're... an eager ed and you're you're reading the Bible and then reading the newspaper and trying to fit it one-to-one correlation, just relax. He, he could come today or he could come in a hundred years from today. Well, which is it? Right. So, come, yeah, that's right. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. I am coming soon, but one day is like a thousand years for him. So we long for his return and we live like it. We ready ourselves.
for the Lord's return. You should have a handout on eschatology in your bulletin, and it just says things we can all agree on. His return will be personal. Jesus Christ is coming back himself. He will not send Heath, right? We're not send Heath and Pittman. Hey, guys, it's Heath and Mike. We're here to speak for... No, Jesus is coming back. And it will be visible. You won't mistake it. It won't be unmistakable. It'll be loud and bright. It'll be sudden, like a thief in the night. It'll be unexpected. And it will be glorious. And so how shall we live until then? Be watchful, be faithful, be serving. My challenge to you is, are you ready for the Lord's return? I, I want you to do this. this is, I, want to, I want this to get really practical. I want you to take out a pen if you need one. I've got one. And I want you to write down three things. Evaluating in your own heart, are you ready for the Lord's return? Number one is a person. Is there any relationship, wife, children, family members, neighbors, co-workers, is there any relationship that you, that if Jesus Christ came back today, you would go, oh, let's just start at home. Is there, is there a relationship with that who is nearest you that you need to work on? Your spouse. What about your kids? What about your neighbor's? What, what, would, what would my neighbors say of me? He's a crazy dude, but he's really nice. Always talking about Jesus, but he's friendly, he's helpful. What would my neighbors say about me? Or would they say, well, he's k- kind of rude. You know, he's always just, he's just mean. What would my neighbors say? What would my coworkers say to me? I only have one coworker. So hopefully she has something nice to say. So what's that one person that if you needed to get a relationship right, you could do it today? Because the Lord could come back today. What is one practice you could implement in your life where if you wanted to prepare for the Lord's return and be ready, what is one practice that you could do? Could you learn more about the one who's coming to get you? Could you talk more to the one who's coming to get you? Could you go tell others about the one who is coming to get you? See, it's often said there are those who kind of uh, look down upon seminary education. Well, uh, why, why, why don't you just get out and preach? And I mean, what if the Lord were to come? Well, if the Lord were to come today, some 14 years ago, I'm studying to teach talk to others about him. I think he'll be okay with that. Kind of like Luther's gardening. So maybe there's something in your own world. There's a person you can talk to, or there's a practice you can implement. And just so you don't think I'm a fuddy duddy, here's the third P. Got to keep them all, you know, the alliteration going. What is one pleasure, right? He has freely given us all things, chocolate, rafting, golf, Fly fish, I don't know, I'm not very good at the Fly fishing, right? He's freely given us all things. What's one thing that you can do and enjoy God? So who's one person that you can go to? Because 
I can't believe that we all have every single relationship in order. I can't believe that we're all hitting it on all cylinders in our personal growth of Jesus Christ. All of us. So I've got 10 coming back at me. And maybe some of you have been so worked up about when Jesus is coming or so distracted that you just need to get out and ride your bike. Talk to Jesus. Get on a raft. This is unbelievable. I mean, it's believable because you created the world, Lord. And But I'm on this and there's rocks here and there's rivers here and there's a white rapids coming. This is this peanut butter and jelly sandwich with my little boy wrapped up like a cocoon because he's cold from the pool water is just fun. He's got fuzzy hair like Dirk Nowitzki. It's just fun. Right? A person, a practice, and a pleasure that you can partake in knowing that Jesus could come back now or Jesus could come back. Let's just think about this. Lord willing, a hundred years from now, there's somebody we don't even know about standing in this vicinity, could be in this school or in a building or a hundred years from now, somebody else is there and they're saying, do you remember those folks way back in 2011? I got them all online. Yeah, well, you have something new then, but all those sermons, all those people, they're with Jesus. Like a hundred years from now, Luke would be 105. He's dead. He's with me in heaven. <laughs> Lauren's 107. Well, you know, Lawson's 103. Maybe people are living to 103 by that time. I don't know. But we've got to be ready for both. He could come back today or he could delay. And there, again, the delay is not so much God's timing. It's delayed my timing and there's good reason for it because I think there are people we need to get together with, there are practices we need to implement, and there are pleasures we need to enjoy. Father, you know it all. You are the sovereign of the universe, and you know exactly when your son's coming. That's too good to be true. I'm talking to you the creator of the universe who knows it all. Until then, might I get to know you and your son and the Holy Spirit better. Might I enjoy all that you've given us. And might I tell as many people as possible, starting with my children, those who live on my street, and anybody else who will listen, that one day your son's coming back and it will be a glorious day. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Those who are helping with communion would come forward.
Just one chapter over in Matthew 26, Jesus, who gave the parable of the ten virgins and that he might not come when we expect, also instituted the Lord's Supper. And now as they were eating, Jesus took the bread and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body, let's take the bread. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. For this is the blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it anew, when it will be perfect in my Father's kingdom. Let's take the cup. He looked back. We looked back at his death are in fellowship with one another as a church. And we look ahead to that glorious day when this will, this will come true. It's, 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 it's disturbing to me that the world, well, it's not disturbing to me. It's just, it's upsetting. The world mocks us. They make videos about it, late night shows. And it's sad. But one day this will happen. John wrote it for us. This is what's going to happen. I wish Harold would have just said, this is what, I don't know when, but this is what's going to happen. After this, I looked and behold, a great multitude that no one could number. Right? From every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb clothed in white robes robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb and to all the angels standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. It's going to be a glorious day. I think we ought to sing about it. So if you'll stand with me.